You're listening to a message from Redemption Community Church, a life-giving church in Westchester County, New York. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or follow our messages online at redemptioncommunitychurch.org. Thanks for listening and enjoy the message. Well, today we're going to get into this new series on parables. How many of you love a good story? Anybody love a good story? I think we all do. You know, Jesus is known as being a great teacher, a great preacher, but he was also a great storyteller. So for the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at the parables of Jesus. Now, why did Jesus preach in parables? Uh, Well, parables allowed Jesus to take some of the deep truths of the kingdom of God and and bake them into uh, stories about everyday life and nature and things that people could relate to. And so parables, parables became like a window or a lens to help people see a whole new way of life in the kingdom of God. And I believe those ancient stories still have timeless truth for us today. I believe the parables can become like a window, a lens for us to to have a fresh look at what the kingdom of God, life in the kingdom of God can be like for you and for me. And so today we're going to look at the parable of the sower, a famous parable. Jesus lived in an agrarian culture, an agrarian society where farming was part of everyday life. And so many of the parables have this theme of farming and planting and and sowing. And so that's uh, the theme of this parable today. Let's just jump right into it. Are you ready? Here we go. This comes from Matthew chapter 13, verses 1 through 9. It says, that same day Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it while all the people stood on the shore. Then he told, many, he told them many things in parables, saying, a farmer went out to sow his seed, and he was scattering the seed. Some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Verse 7, other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil where it produced a crop 160 or 30 times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let him hear. Come on, that's a word for us today. Whoever has ears, let him hear. Let's open our our hearts and our ears to receive the word of God today. Now, we don't live in an agrarian society like Jesus as modern day people, right? Especially living in the suburbs or in the New York City area. So we're not as familiar with farming. But how many of you are into gardening or do any kind of lawn care at all? Anybody at all? Not too many of you. All right. Yeah, you guys have somebody cutting your grass. I hear you. But some of you might be into gardening, right? Um, I see. I, I, I've, been, I've been working on my, my lawn and, and doing some gardening the past few years. So I can relate to this story. So we bought our house four years ago. And uh, we've, we've done some landscaping around the house. And in the front lawn, you know, had some patchy spots and some weeds. And it's, we're still working on it. And the, but the backyard was really bad. The backyard, we had a lot of roots from some big trees that were um, just all throughout the backyard, and, and so no grass was growing. And so um, a couple summers ago, we, we chopped up a bunch of the roots, and we reseeded the backyard. Then the, the next summer, you know, the grass didn't take so well. It was kind of a dust bowl. So we did it again, right? We did some reseeding, and, uh, and then finally, the third, the third summer we had the house, we, we put down a whole fresh, like a whole yard of dirt in the backyard, and reseeded the whole thing again. Like every year, right? We're trying to build and make a little progress. So we've been seeding and reseeding and trying to make progress. See, the problem is I grew up down south in South Louisiana where you don't have to do much to make the grass grow. 
Like, you don't need a sprinkler system. It rains every day in the summer. We get that thick, like, St. Augustine grass. You don't have to fertilize your grass, you know. So I'm learning how to take care of a lawn in the Northeast and how to get your lawn to recover from winter, all that stuff, right? And so it's a work in progress. I'm not trying to win any awards, you know, for better homes and gardens. I just want to have a decent lawn. Do you hear me? And so I understand, I feel this parable because we've been seeding and reseeding. Now, the only thing I would do different if I told this story is I would include dandelions. Come on, there's no dandelions in this parable. How many of you hate dandelions? When you're a kid, dandelions are wonderful. You find a dandelion, oh, let me blow it and make a wish, right? When you're an adult, you find one and you just start spraying it with Roundup or you rip it out. I hate dandelions. They are like the enemy of every gardener. And those things grow everywhere. Come on, how many of you know you'll have like one little crack in your asphalt and there's, a, and there's a dandelion growing in it? Can't get anything else to grow that you want to grow, but you got dandelions growing in your asphalt. I feel like dandelions mock me. <laughs> like I have plants that I water and fertilize and they die and there's a dandelion just sprouting up in the asphalt like, hey, what's up? You know, just mocking me. So if I told this story, it would be a little bit different. You know, it'd be like there was a farmer who went out to plant seed in his lawn and he found a bunch of dandelions and he ripped them all out. And the disciples would be like, Rabbi, what's the point of this story? The point of the story is the devil planted those dandelions. The point of the story is the dandelions are the devil. <laughs> Can I get an amen, somebody? So what is this parable actually all about? <laughs> well, Jesus goes on to explain it. So let's keep going. Matthew 13, verses 18 through 23. It says, listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom, the kingdom of God, and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. Verse 20, the seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and once receives it with joy, but since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the, the word, they quickly fall away. Verse 22, the seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on good soil, come on, somebody say good soil. The seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces the crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. So verse 18, Jesus begins to explain what this parable means. Now, he doesn't do that in all of his parables. Some of his parables are kind of shrouded in mystery, and people had to meditate on what they meant. But this is one where Jesus breaks it down for us. Verse 18, he says, listen to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom, in other words, the seed represents the gospel, the, the gospel, the good news of Jesus's kingdom come on this earth, right? In the person and life of Jesus Christ, that we can know God through Jesus. In Mark's version of the parable, uh, Jesus says it really plainly. He, Mark, Mark records it this way, Mark 4, 14 through 15. The farmer sows the word. Some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. So here's some really important symbols. If you're taking notes today, Bible scholars, the farmer represents Jesus or the one who preaches the gospel, okay? The one who sows the seed of the word, the seed of the gospel. The seed represents the gospel or the word of God, and the soil represents the heart of the people who hear it. Now, let's make a few observations today. I want to get you in this habit as you read Scripture that you make some observations. Sometimes we read Scripture so passively, but there's something powerful when you read God's Word and you pay attention to what it says and you make some observations, and then you can know how to apply it and pray it in your life. A few observations. Number one, the same seed produces different results. Did you notice that? 
It didn't say the farmer kept trying different seeds, you know, to, to see what would happen. No, the same seed produced different results. No crop, a temporary crop, an abundant crop. So get this, if the seed represents the gospel, then we understand that the same gospel produces different results. Are you tracking with me? There are different responses to the gospel message, to the word of God. It was true in Jesus' time, and it's true in our time. We read about the life of Jesus. Some people heard his words, and they placed their faith in him, and they followed him. And some people heard the, the word, the announcement that the gospel of the kingdom of God, and they rejected it. And the same thing is true for our time. So observation number one, the same seed produces different results. Observation number two, we're going to build on that. The same seed produces different results according to the condition of the soil. According to the condition of the soil. Did, did you pay attention to it? What's the most important factor that determines what the seed produces in this parable? And it's still true in real life. The, the seed either flourishes or dies based on the condition of the soil where it lands. Rocky soil, shallow soil, right? Paved over soil, fertile like good soil. Jesus is telling us there's a connection between the condition of our hearts and our spiritual growth. There's a connection between the receptivity of our hearts and the outcome of our lives, who we end up becoming, how our lives end up unfolding. How many of you know there's nothing that we can do to save ourselves? The gospel is the gospel. The gospel comes to us. It's timeless. It's powerful. It's like a seed. It's life-giving. It's this announcement that the kingdom of God has come in the person of Jesus Christ, who's lived a sinless life on your behalf gone to the cross for your sins, resurrected to give us new life. That's, that's the gospel. There's nothing that we can do to change that message or, or to save ourselves, but we are responsible for what we do with the message, with the gospel, with, with the word. Do we receive it and do we allow it to change our lives? And so let me ask you this question this morning, church. How's the condition of your soil? How, how's the condition of your soil, the condition of your, your heart? How receptive are you to the word of God? So I told you guys I've been trying to take care of my lawn. I recently um, I subscribed to this new lawn care service where I'm going to try some different products on my lawn. And one of the things I have to do is I have to send in a soil sample. They want me to mail in a soil sample, right, to see what the condition of my, my soil is today. Here's what I want to invite you to do today, church. I want to invite you to be really open and honest with yourself and then analyze the soil of your heart today. That's what we're going to do today. We're going to go through this parable, and we want to check our hearts, and we want to ask ourselves a really honest question, how receptive is my heart to the Word of God? How receptive is my heart to the gospel? Let me give you four different types of soil. Which one of these describes the soil of your heart? Why don't you get out your phone and take some notes today? Here's the first one. Number one is hardened soil. Hardened soil. This is the soil that's actually paved over. Like the seed lands on, on the paved road here. It's so hard it can't even receive the, the, the seed. Like the seed can't even, can't even penetrate it. Look at this, Matthew 13, verse 19. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. This is hardened soil. It's represented by, by, by soil that's been paved over. There's a, there's a path. I want you to notice three factors here in this scripture, okay? There's a lack of understanding. There's an enemy who steals. And there's a hardness, a lack of receptivity symbolized by the path. You bring the three of these things together and it spells disaster. 
The, the, the seed of the word of God, the seed of the gospel cannot even penetrate. It can't even, can't even get off to a start here. Jesus said earlier that some seed fell along the path and the birds came and ate it up. How many of you have ever, have ever scattered seed or seeded your lawn like I have in the springtime, right? What do we do even to this day? We, you put down hay or, or something, right, to cover the seed because the birds will come and pluck it up. I've had that happen before where I'm out like scattering the birds away because they're plucking up all the seed that we, that we just put down. You put hay over it. I've seen seed fall on really hardened ground that was dried up and the seed sat there and the birds could come and pluck it up just like in this parable. Jesus said the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. Who's he talking about? He's talking about Satan. He's talking about the devil himself. He says, in other words, the, the enemy, the evil one, he snatches away the truth of God's word. Now, how can he do that? Like the word of God is so powerful, right? The gospel is so powerful. How is it that the enemy of our souls, how could he possibly snatch away the truth of God's word? Well, he does it by telling us lies. He does it by, by telling us. He's a really good liar. How many of you know that's what the scripture calls Satan? He call, he's called the father of lies. He's a liar. He's a manipulator. Lies are actually his specialty. And so to get us to choose evil, the enemy is, is often trying to fool us. He, he's trying to lead us down a path to believe that, that something else will lead us to, to happiness other than what God wants for us. But it's all an illusion. Besides being a really great liar, he's also a really great magician. He's an illusionist. The enemy is always putting things in front of us and whispering to us lies that this is what will make you happy. Not what God has for you, but this is what will make you fulfilled and satisfied and happy in life. Think about the very first sin in, in the Bible. It, it happened as a result of, of a lie. Think about the temptation of, of Eve, right, in, in the Garden of Eden, right? The, the enemy appears to her as a serpent and says, hey, did God really say you couldn't eat, you know, the fruit from that one tree? Did he really say that? Planting a, planting a seed of doubt, right? She says, yeah. He said, we can eat from any tree in the garden except from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil because if we eat that from that tree, we, we will surely die. And then what does Satan say? He says, surely you will not die. See, he plants, plants a doubt, right? No, what happens is when you eat of that fruit, God knows you're going to become like him and you're going to know the difference between good and evil. Now, what's so powerful about that is it's a half truth because indeed, when Eve ate of the fruit, she, she sure began to recognize good and evil. But it also came along with the curse of death. And that's where the enemy is a really good manipulator in lies. He tells us half-truths. If he just told you some really blatant lie and tried to convince you to do something that was obviously harmless, you would be like, get out of my face, get away from me. You would recognize the lie. But often what the enemy does is he comes and he speaks half-truths into our lives. He begins to give us an illusion of what we think will, will make us happy that leads us down a, a path. The scripture says there's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, it leads to death. And so what, what do we do? How do we overcome these, these lies that, that he can begin to, to whisper, whisper into our lives? What, what do we do about this? Well, we have to learn to replace the lies of the enemy with the truth of God's word. Can I say that to you again this morning? Somebody needs to hear that. You got to learn to replace the lies of the enemy of your soul with the truth of God's word. This is what we see when we read about Jesus' temptation in the wilderness. We, we looked at that story a few weeks ago during Lent, right? The enemy comes to tempt 
Jesus, in the wilderness, like three different times, he attacks his identity, right? And tries to get him to believe that, that his value was wrapped up in what he could produce, what he could do. That his value was wrapped up in his popularity, what people thought about him. That his value was, was wrapped up in his possessions, the things that he owns. And do you recognize those lies? Those lies are still being whispered to you and me to this day. And every time, how did Jesus overcome the lie of the enemy? He spoke the truth of God's word back to the enemy until Satan had to just leave him alone, right? That's what you and me have to do. And so pay attention, church, for any places where your heart is getting is becoming hardened by the lies of the enemy. It could be hurts. It could be lies. It could be things we've believed about ourselves. It could be things that people said about us. And what happens is they get down into our hearts and they cause our hearts to become hardened. Now, we want our hearts to be good soil. And so pay attention to to the hard places. Number two is rocky soil. Rocky soil. Look at verses 20 and 21. It says, the seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. This is the rocky soil. You see, the, the seed, it falls on, on rocky ground where the soil is is shallow, okay? And so it springs up quickly because it doesn't take long time for the roots to go down, but the roots aren't very deep. The roots are really, really shallow, right? And so when the, the sun comes out, these plants don't have a really good root structure, and so they end up getting scorched. They're not holding any, any water. And, and so they're, they're shallow roots. This is rocky soil. This represents the person who initially receives the gospel with joy, but because they, they, don't have, they don't have roots, when trouble or persecution comes, they fall away. That's what Jesus tells us. By the way, notice that Jesus didn't say, if persecution and trouble comes. Did you notice he said what? When persecution and trouble comes. So you might as well expect it. If you're a Christian, if you're a follower of Christ, you might as well expect. Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble, right? But take heart, I have overcome this world. Here's, here's the point, guys. Shallow roots make for temporary disciples. Shallow roots make for temporary disciples. This is the person who comes to church and they hear the word of God preached. Maybe they come a few times and they hear this glorious gospel of grace that God loves you. There's nothing you can do to make him love you anymore. There's nothing you can do to make him love you any less, but he loves you. He sent his son Jesus to die for you, right? To die for your sins and you place your faith in him. And they hear this wonderful truth of what God has done. And they're like, sign me up for that. Come on, that's good news. My sins can be forgiven. And they receive it with joy, with joy. But what happens is they kind of half expect, like now that I'm a Christian, things are just going to automatically get better. Come on, how many of you have, dis have discovered that when you became a Christian, all of your problems didn't automatically go away? In fact, some of you got some new problems that you had to work out because you started down this path of faith. Is anybody with me this morning? I wish somebody would help me preach. I wonder if I'm preaching to myself today because I've discovered some new problems trying to follow Jesus, trying to follow his path. And so this is the person who has, who has joy, but, but they weren't expecting, like, difficult things to come into their life. Maybe even some form of persecution, you know? Why are you going to church? What are you, one of those holy rollers, you know? And you give money to your church? Don't you know all churches are after your money? Come on, you got to be smarter than that. They, they experience some form of persecution or troubles, right? Just the everyday troubles of life. And there's this sense, like, I thought things were going to get easier and get better when I decided to follow Jesus. 
And because their, their roots are, are, are shallow, they, they fall away. Come on, when, when life gets rocky, you got to be rooted. When life gets rocky, you got to have some roots holding you in, in the ground. Think about a potted plant versus a, a rooted plant. A, a potted plant, right, you can just pull it right up out of the, out of the pot. You can just pull it right, right out, right? And if you don't water a, a potted plant like, you know, almost every day, it, it's going to die, right? But think about a rooted plant. That cannot be easily pulled up out of the ground. A rooted plant that has some roots to hold it, you know, during a windstorm, that has some roots to hold it during a dry spell because it's able to find some moisture that can hold it in place. Do you see it, church? Psalm 92, verses 12 through 13. The psalmist said this, the righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon, planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish in the courts of our God. Who is it that flourishes? Who is it that, that flourishes like a palm tree? Those who are, read it with me, planted in the house of the Lord. Those who are planted, those who are rooted, they will flourish in the courts of our God. Do you want to flourish? Do you want to grow spiritually? Do you want to be spiritually healthy? Do you want to have strength to withstand the, the storms and the trials and the difficulties that come into your life? Those who flourish are those who are planted in the house of the Lord. Can I just encourage you today? There's a difference between going to church every now and then and being rooted in the house of God. There's a difference between popping up in church every now and then and saying, Pastor, just pour a little water on me. Come on. I'm in my little potted plant over here. I need a little miracle grow. I need a little fertilizer. Give me a little, a little water to help me get through, and I'll be back in a few months when my life is falling apart all over again. There's a difference between that, dipping in every now and then, and being rooted in the house of God. Like, I'm putting down some roots. I'm putting down some roots because not if, but when persecution comes. When the difficult times come, I got to have something that, 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 that can hold me. I got to have something that can hold me. Come on, this is why we want to encourage you. Get into a life group. Get into a life group. Don't try to do this thing by, by yourself. None of us were meant to do this on, on our own. Get into a life group because what's going to happen is when, when you're walking through those difficult seasons, you're not going to be walking through it by, by yourself like a little potted plant. No, no, you're going you're gonna to have some people in your life, some brothers, some sisters, some friends who are praying for you, who are encouraging you. When you encounter the lies of the enemy, you're going to have some, some friends who can speak the truth of God's word over your life. Come on, when you're, when you're feeling confused about What's right and what's wrong? You can have some people speak truth over your life, encourage you, pray for you. And that's what happens when you go from a church where you just kind of dip in every now and then and you get plugged into relationships and, and you find a place to, to serve and you start building, you know, you get a little skin in the game and you start even giving and, and investing financially into the kingdom of God. You begin to realize, I got some roots in this place. I'm grounded. I'm not just blown all over the place, but I, I'm growing and I'm stronger. And the things that used to rattle me don't rattle me. And the things that used to blow me all over the place don't blow me all over the place anymore because I've got some roots I got some roots. I'm rooted. I'm rooted. Here's number three. Number three is unfruitful soil. Unfruitful soil. Look at verse 22. It says, the seed falling on the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. This is the unfruitful soil. This is the this, this soil that's overrun with, with weeds and thorns and dandelions, right? All the things that, that compete with, with the seed growing. 
The seed can't grow because there's too many junk plants and weeds that are, that are choking out the, the life of this, this plant. So uh, back to my lawn here. In my front lawn, we, sh- we share uh, next to our neighbors, there's like a row of, of overgrown bushes that are really just right on their property line. It's on, on their side. And it's really just a bunch of just junk, just weeds and thorns. And, and I've ripped some out with their permission over time. But I'm pretty much the one who, like, maintains and cuts those bushes back. And, and, and the grass can't grow, right? Like, you can, there's a clear line where the grass stops growing because these, these bushes are just, they're just sucking up all the moisture and the sunlight, right? Like, you can see where the grass can't grow anymore. It's, it's a visible picture. There's imagery here for, like, where, where the seed can't. If I were to scatter seed over there to try to get grass growing, it would just be completely choked out by all of these, these thorn bushes. Here's what Jesus says. Jesus says many people receive the gospel and actually believe it, but it gets choked out by the, listen to how he says it, the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth, and it never produces anything. It ends up being unfruitful soil. In other words, people get sucked into the priorities of this world over the values of the kingdom of God. It chokes out their spiritual life. Church, we're living and breathing and swimming in a culture that has values that are not the values of the kingdom of God. How many of you know the values of the kingdom of God are counter-cultural to the world that we're living in? Paul tells us in Romans chapter 12, he says, don't be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be, be transformed right by the renewing of your mind. That's the, the word of God that renews your mind. How many of you know there's a pattern to this world? There's a predictable pattern to this fallen culture that we, that we live in. Not only do we have our own fallenness, our own sinful nature, but we live in a fallen world that there's actually sinful patterns of how people treat each other and how they do life. And, and so we can easily slip into those, those patterns because that's the template around us every day. But how, how many of you know that 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 the, 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 the Values of the kingdom of God are not the same. Let me give you some examples here. Culture says promote yourself. Jesus says deny yourself. Culture says consume. Jesus says give. Culture says hate those who hurt you. Jesus says bless those who curse you. Love your enemies. Come on, culture says pursue things. Jesus says pursue God. Culture says live for now. Jesus says live for eternity. Culture says pursue happiness. Jesus says pursue righteousness. Do you see it? These are the values that we're up against every day. We have to guard our hearts. We have to constantly renew our minds so that we don't slip into the pattern of this world. We don't come under the influence of the pattern of this fallen world. Let me tell you something. If you do what everybody else does, you'll get everybody else's results. I don't know, I don't know about you. I don't like the results that people are getting. I don't like the results of what I see on the news. I don't like the results of what I'm seeing in the world around me. I'm not talking about walking around with doom and gloom. I'm talking about life in the kingdom of God, like a different kind of life, right? Like Jesus came to give us life and life more abundantly. I want that life. I want that life growing on the inside of me as I walk through the fallen world that that we live in. And this one breaks my heart. This one breaks my heart more than any of the the different comparisons that that Jesus gives because I've seen it happen here. I've seen it happen in the short lifespan of this church. People who come and they receive the gospel genuinely they place their faith in Jesus, and, and I see them, like I see God work in their lives. I see God change them. Like, you know it's real. They had an encounter with, with, with Jesus, but the cares of this life, the busyness of, of this life just chokes out 
what God has done. And, and they just drop off. I, I'm telling you, I've seen it. The pattern I've seen is some people come, it's like two or three years. And man, you see God change them and they get plugged in and they start serving and start reading their Bible. They start growing spiritually. Maybe they get into a life group, all, all those things. But sometimes just two or three years in, like, what happened to that person? I don't see him anymore. They don't show up anymore. It's the, the busyness of life, the cares of this life, all of these things that are pulling us away, the pattern of, of this world. And, and they fall away and it always grieves my heart because I know what's happened. I know what's happened. Like the, the seed got, got choked out. The worries of this life are more dangerous than the explicit sins. They really are. Like most of you, you know, probably not feeling tempted to murder. I mean, every now and then we feel like killing somebody. I feel you. But, you know, some of y'all get... Road rage on the highway. If you're a parent, we've all felt like killing our children before. But for most of us, right, it's not murder. It's not theft. It's not stealing. You know, might not, you know, you're not feeling tempted to go out and commit adultery tomorrow and flush your whole marriage. Maybe those explicit sins don't seem so tempting. But the worries of this life, the bills we got to pay, the things we got to take care of, the things we got to do, right, that's the, the, the real dangers. Of the, of the priorities of, of this fallen world that we live in that compete for our, our hearts. This is why Jesus called it the, the, the deceitfulness of wealth. The deceitfulness of wealth. Because wealth promises what only God can truly give us, and that is fulfillment. Wealth, wealth promises security and fulfillment and happiness and true joy. But if you live in this world long enough, you begin to realize, yeah, money is important. We all got to pay the light bill and buy groceries, but it can't bring happiness. It can't bring true lasting f- fulfillment. This is, this is the stuff we, we have to guard against. And so this is why you need a church family. This is why, if, if you're living in a fallen culture, what's the antidote to that? A redeemed culture, a redeemed family, a redeemed people. Hello, this is why we, it's not enough to be a solo Christian. This is why Christianity is not just content to be consumed. It's not just devotionals and books and podcasts and, 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 and people we watch you know, on TV, Christian pastors, all this stuff is great. And, and I'm thankful for church online, but I'm telling you, there's nothing like being together, being in fellowship, being in relationships, because we need this. We need this. One theologian once put it this way. He said, I come to church to tune my instrument. I love that analogy. I come to church to tune my instrument because when I come and worship, I begin to hear the places in my heart that are out of tune. I come here and I worship with my brothers and sisters and we lift our voices, right? And we hear the word of God preached and we break bread together in communion and we lift our voices in worship and I begin to, to recognize the places in my life that are out of tune in this fallen culture that we're living in. And I tune my instrument. Can I just tell you, I, I was sharing this recently. I sat down with a friend of mine a few months ago, a businessman, and I told him, everything that we teach in this church, I need. Everything that we teach in, in this church, I need to give in the offering. My wife and I are tithers. We do more than 10%. Why? Because the grip of materialism is so real on our lives in every direction. Hello, we got a little bit of that going on around here in Westchester and Connecticut. People getting caught up in materialism and status symbols. I need to give to break the grip of materialism off of my life. I need to be in fellowship with other believers to hold me accountable and to pray and to encourage me. Like, I need to serve. I need to serve day every now and then. Thank God. Thank you. Pastor Dave, for scheduling a serve day to get me outside of myself. Do you see it? We need the church of Jesus Christ to wake us up so we can get aligned with kingdom values, kingdom values. All right, here's the fourth thing. Number four is good soil. Come on, somebody say good soil. We're going to get to the good news now, all right? Here's the good part. Verse 23, but the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was 
sown good soil. Hello, success in farming is not rocket science, okay? I may be a suburbanite, but it's not hard to figure out, like, how do we know if the, if the, if the seed was successful? Did your planted seed yield anything or not? <laughs> if it didn't yield anything, it was not successful, okay? And Jesus says the most important evidence that we've received the gospel is, is it flourishing in your heart? Did it produce growth? Did it produce change? Did it produce multiplication? Like, it, it's not enough just to, to stop with, did you believe, right? But what has your life produced? See, placing your faith in Jesus isn't the finish line. It's the starting point. <laughs> oh, y'all got quiet on me for a second there. Placing your faith in Jesus isn't the finish line. Sometimes we feel like it's the finish line. I prayed the prayer. I placed my faith in Jesus. No, no, no. It's the starting line. It's about what is your life Produced, is God working in you? Do you have any fruit to show the fruit of the Spirit, right? Love and joy, peace and patience and goodness, kindness, all of those things is your life. By the work of the Holy Spirit is your life bearing fruit. Check for fruit. Look for fruit. How is God working through you? Come on, how, not us, just how is he working in you, but how, how is he working through you? Can, can you point to ways that he's using your life to build his kingdom? If you need some ideas on how to get started, why don't you just go to Growth Track and get signed up and start serving on a team? It's one of the ways you can just activate your faith. We try to give you a few simple things you can do to start letting God work through you. Why don't you go ahead and just get signed up? L let me just give you this quick, quick story. In 1934, a 24-year-old farmer from North Carolina, a man named Albert McMakin, um, he invited his friends to attend a tent revival with him. Um, he had come to faith in Jesus. He wanted all of his friends to come to know Jesus. And there was an old-fashioned tent revival came where they were preaching Jesus and salvation like every night. And there was this one friend that he really wanted to go that he was trying to get convinced him to go. You know, and he was really popular and he was a ladies' man and he was kind of distracted. But he was able to convince this young farmer's, uh, farmer's son to, to come by, he said, I'll let, you, I'll let you drive the truck. He had a dairy truck. And so his friend was like, okay, I'm not that interested in going, but driving the truck sounds like fun, you know, full of our friends. And so he sat outside the tent revival, but he could hear the preaching from the truck. He wasn't really interested, but he could hear the preaching from the truck, and it gripped his heart. And God began to speak to him and began to draw him to himself. And on the very last night of that revival, he placed his faith in Jesus, changed his life completely. Now, that young man would go on to preach the gospel to more human beings than anyone in all of world history, even more than Jesus himself. And of course, that young man's name is Billy Graham. Now, here's the point. We can't all be a Billy Graham, but we can all be an Albert McMakin. We can all be someone who plants a seed. Talk about producing a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. Come on, we're all responsible for the gifts and the opportunities given to us. You might not be somebody who's going to multiply 100 times, but you can multiply 30 we're all responsible for the seed when it comes to us. But, but here's the good news, church. When we receive the gospel, God is able to multiply it. Come on, His grace on your life. It's like miracle grow. What, what starts with one small seed in your life, it can lead to exponential growth, exponential harvest. I want you to believe it today. It comes to you like a seed, but inside of every seed is an orchard. Inside of every seed is great potential for multiplication. Come on, I believe that it can come to your life. And if your heart is good soil, the grace of God over your life is powerful. It's powerful. You never know how he can use your life. And so here's the question. We're going to land the plane with this question. Which one describes the condition of your heart? Is it hardened? Is it rocky? Is it unfruitful? Or is it good soil? And if we're honest, maybe there's a mixture. <laughs> maybe there's a mixture. Let me just encourage you today. If you see some signs of rockiness, of shallowness, 
you see some, some signs of even, even hardness, here's the good news. With the help of the Holy Spirit, you can cultivate your heart. You can cultivate your heart. Come on, we can break up the hardened ground. We can till the soil. We can pluck the weeds. We can water. We can fertilize. Come on, we can do it. We can do the spiritual disciplines. We can worship. We can pray. We can fast. We can be in a fellowship. We can be in relationships. You can cultivate the soil of your heart because the goal for every one of us is we want our heart to be good soil. We want the seed of God's word. We want the seed of of the gospel to come to our hearts and our hearts be good ground so that it can multiply and produce a great harvest. Do you want that? Come on, that's the goal for every one of us today. So why don't you stand with me? Why don't we pray into that this morning? Come on, let's put down some roots today. God, we're putting down roots in your house. We're putting down roots in your house today. God, take your word today and plant it in our hearts. Would you pray that with me? Just bow your head today. God, take your word today that we've heard today. It's powerful. It's convicting. It comes to us afresh today. God, may it be rooted in our hearts Come on, just open your heart to him today. God, make my heart good soil. Somebody pray that with me. God, make my heart good soil. Make my heart good soil today. God, as your word comes to me today, as the gospel of Jesus Christ comes to me afresh, may it find its, its place in, in the good soil of, of my heart today, God. I want to be receptive to your truth, God. No blind spots. No hardened places. Soften the hardened places today. God, we replace the lies of the enemy with the truth of your word, that there is fulfillment outside of your plan, outside of your kingdom. No, Lord, today we choose to trust in you, to tune our ears to your voice today. God, root up the weeds that have grown in in our hearts today. And Lord, today, may we be rooted in your house, God, flourishing in the courts of our God thank you for it. Father, I pray for the person today who needs to receive your word, the seed of the gospel, that it would find their way into their hearts and they would just simply say, Jesus, I place my faith in you. I place my faith in you. I receive the good news of the gospel afresh into my heart today. Turn from my sins and I trust in you today, Jesus. Save me. Save me. May the seed of your word be planted in my heart that my life would be different, my life would change. Father, do it in every one of us. Make our hearts good soil. In Jesus' name, if you agree with that, would you say amen. Thanks for tuning into our podcast. If you'd like to connect with us or learn more about our church, please visit us online at redemptioncommunitychurch.org. We hope you can listen or join us next week.